Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Preferred Walk-Ons Podcast. My name is Michael McGraw. I'm sitting across from Michael Shutt, and we are here to talk college sports. As always. That's the, I mean, that's the basically the vertical that we have here. Yeah. It's talking about college sports. So we didn't get a chance for various health reasons to talk about the national championship game between Georgia and TCU. It was a real cliffhanger. I mean, I we we went and watched it together at a bar. We watched the first half together. I got home and I, I turned it on for the second half, but I turned it on. Like, I went to bed and watched it in bed. And I when I say watched it, I mean I fell asleep and didn't really watch much of the second half at all. Hey, you and TCU both. <laughs> That's right. We were both equally engaged in that game. <laughs> Which is awesome because I, going into that game, was so, so sure that they were going to cover. Lose, but cover. And then I live bet them at halftime, plus 38 and a half, thinking, there's no way in the national championship game you're going to lose by 40 points. Well, more than that. Hold my beer because we're going to lose by 58. Yeah, if you had plus 57 and a half, ooh, Ooh, real real stinger. So that's a real bad beat. Yeah. Obviously a really bad game. Georgia came out and dominated. I think my favorite part following up on the game was, I think I sent this to you, the Kirby Smart pregame speech. Yeah. I'm not a Georgia fan and don't care about them at all, but listening to that pregame speech, I was ready to like sprint out onto my own field, just my lawn yeah. and charge and Absolutely. be ready to go. Yeah, I would have been ready to hit some Baptists on the football field, too. <laughs> I assume that's what they are. Um, Probably. But, yeah, great. Like, the, the thing is, is it kind of went into this whole narrative that you heard from Stetson Bennett pregame, too, that I just don't understand where it came from. This, like, we've been disrespected all year. They were never outside of the top three. Like, even Kirby Smart at one point, I saw something that he said about, like, People thinking they were only going to win six or seven games or something this season. Maybe it wasn't him. Somebody said that about Georgia and like, or said that someone had said it about Georgia. And just like nobody thought, like maybe somebody thought that, but that, that was not, it was not expected that Georgia was going to like be down this year. Right. So this whole like tired narrative and even the pregame speech is like, people don't think we can do the go, go, and then like expletive laden, just go kill these people. And it felt like there's like a chip on their shoulder, which like they played like that. Poor TCU. Like you don't want a team with as much talent that, as Georgia has to be also extra motivated. But it just seems weird to me that that I don't know where that narrative came from, but it worked for them. I think that's an amazing thing that a lot of great coaches and players, because Michael Jordan used to do this all the time, where he would just invent slates yeah. that people had done, you know, and and use it as extra motivation. And obviously, everybody in basketball knows he's like the greatest player of all time. So no one is actively disrespecting Jordan, but somehow he always seemed to come up with something like that. Saban is a master at this, where it's like, well, you guys are in the media are always talking yeah. about how we're no good. It's like, no, wait, people. People yeah. think you're the greatest coach of all time. What are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, you know, Kirby, I think, had the same dynamic there where you can get 18, 19 year olds to believe that they've been disrespected and play really hard. Yeah. It worked. I mean, it's just a good old fashioned ass kicking. And I'm sure it was really fun to watch for Georgia fans. Outside of that, who cares? Like, I just, 
I lost interest so quickly. I mean, that whole first half, I was sitting there, you know, just kind of hoping, like, for some, you know, Jacksonville Jaguar-esque comeback. Clearly, that hadn't happened yet. But, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That idea that, like, hey, they're down, but anything could happen. Turns out, not anything. Uh, Most things could happen, but TCU having a respectable performance in the national championship game, not so much. They started so well, too. Right. I, it just Whatever, you know? It wasn't meant to be. I think this happens a lot in sports, though, right? Where you have a really compelling tournament or, you know, NCAA tournament. You get a Final Four. You might get two really exciting games in the Final Four. And then the championship is kind of a bust. Yeah. Right? So that... And that happens... You know, there's a long run of Super Bowls, too, where, like, the NFL playoffs were great, but the actual Super Bowl itself is kind of a letdown. Yeah, I think about that Broncos-Seahawks, the, fir- the when they... Just, the first... The Peyton Manning, was, they blew them out and, like... You know, it, it, yeah, it happens, and, and it is what it is. I, You know, the, the real championship was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> also, also Georgia winning the actual national yeah, championship. Yeah, and that, and that. So one, one thing that I've, I've seen a lot of people trying to debate now is whether this blowout is indicative of a, a bad expansion. Like, right, if you're going to expand the playoffs to include 12 teams, you might see more of this kind of thing happen what is your take on having more teams involved that maybe can't compete with the upper echelon of the Georgias and Alabamas at the end? I, I get it, right? So, like, last year, Cincinnati broke through and... Was that last year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Last year, Cincinnati broke through and didn't have a great showing. We've also seen traditional powers not have great showings. Think about, like, Notre Dame in the playoff. Like, like the, the it can happen. And, and, and it doesn't, to me, it's, I guess my point in bringing up that there are some, like, you know, major programs that have had similar issues, it's it it's not limited to the schools that aren't your, like, I was going to say that are, else, that are in the group of five, but the TCU technically is Big 12 now, but it has been for longer than I thought. But the it's, it's not limited to just those, like, smaller programs in terms of, like, having a disappointing showing in the playoff. It could happen to anybody, and... Just because TCU fell flat in the championship game doesn't mean that there isn't another team that was just outside of the top four that potentially could have, you know, had a better showing, right? Like, who knows what Bama would have done? Who knows, you know, what some of the uh, Tennessee with a healthy Hendon Hooker, you know, in this world, like where, where it's bigger, maybe he's healthy. Who knows, right? There's all sorts of. What ifs? It's college sports. Like, let's not pretend like TCU was awful through the whole thing. Like, they they won their semifinal game, you know? So, to me, it's, it's if Georgia and TCU play today, does the result look the same? Probably not. So, I don't think we can look at, like, one blowout or even two blowouts or three blowouts and say this is reason not to expand. I think you give more teams a shot at it and you're more likely to get the cream of the crop at the end. Um, rather than just, hey, you've got to like win one game, one more game to get to the final and then get blown out. You know what I mean? Like, I, to me, it, it gives you a better picture of who the best two teams are at the end. Right. So I think that there is, it depends on what we want, right? If we want the best national championship game, then we shouldn't care about. All, you know, giving in inclusion to all of these other teams, right? Like we could just have Ohio State, Georgia, or Ohio. We just have the Big yeah. Ten winner and the SEC winner and yeah. call that the championship, right? 
And that's probably where we're on a trajectory to with all the expansion. But if we're trying to get a good tournament or a lot of games that lead up to it, mm-hmm. in the same way that like the NCAA tournament is really fun to watch where there are a lot of different teams, I think expanding it creates those opportunities. So a Tennessee TCU game leading up to the championship would have been very compelling. The TCU mm-hmm. Michigan game was extremely compelling. You know, seeing what Alabama might do against uh, Clemson or something like that, right? That might be a compelling game. But like in actuality, the teams that really have the depth of talent to sustain what Georgia did, where they lost, I mean, they lost an entire team's worth of people to the NFL draft, yeah. right? So to have the depth, there are only like maybe two teams, Alabama, Georgia, maybe Ohio State, that have that level of talent mm-hmm. to actually win the championship. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to find other ways to be exciting, you know, excited about what's there. And I think the way to do that is expand the playoffs. I, I just think it's funny to me that like the thing that like this is what people love about college basketball is you get this tournament where anything can happen and you don't always get the best two teams at the end. Right. I, I think it gives you a good shot at getting the best two teams, but like wacky, wacky things happen, right? You get upsets and you get... You know opportunities for you know upstart teams to to break through. So like the equivalent this year could be, I mean maybe TCU is viewed as that, right? Or Tulane. What does Tulane do in a playoff? Like right. We don't the the, the way that college football is set up. Teams like Tulane at the end of the day, we don't really know how good they are, right? It's kind of like the old Boise State teams. Where it was like, well, they never get a shot, so we don't really know. Are they really that good? Or that UCF undefeated team mm-hmm. where they're like, we're really the champions. We have no way to know it. So give give me an expanded playoff so we can find out. Because like I thought Tulane was going to get blown out by USC, and they didn't. So you know, like what does it look like if they move on from that and go play another top ranked team? Like, do they beat them too? As, as did we miss out? Is Tulane actually the best team in the country? Probably not. I but think certainly not. But sure. still, I would love to be able to watch it. Like, but we have no idea. Like, right. there, there's no way to know that, right? So, I, or like you know, some like USC or Utah or some of these other teams that I just think like I want to see as many teams have a shot at not as many teams as possible. I think you can overdo it. But to me, like I would love a 16 team playoff. Let's just let's see it happen and just like. Or like the twelve team playoff. That's fine. Pro- I think proposed, it'll be good. And then you can get you can give teams a buy for you know having an excellent undefeated regular season, and then that way, like the regular season continues to mean something. Sure. I'm also sort of opposed to the idea of a team getting a, a buy through a round. If you're that good, prove it. I don't know. Like, yes, you earned something, but what are you worried about? Why do you, why do you need to why do you need a free pass into the next round? Like, it's kind of like the NFL playoffs this year. Like, Philly, like, the Eagles needed that buy because, like, they need to guarantee they'll be at home because that team is vulnerable. And, I, like... But they also had a good regular... They had the best regular season, so reward sure. them for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so you can get home field advantage. But I just feel like getting a free pass into the next round is, like... I don't know. Just beat teams. If you're that good, who cares? Like, if you're so good, if you're the best team, then, you know, play somebody in the first round and prove it. Like, everybody else has to. Quit ducking Tulane, Georgia. <laughs> they ain't played nobody. <laughs> so so looking at 
like I've seen a couple of articles that looked at what the playoff might look like if they had had the 12 team format here, mm-hmm. right? So you would have gotten a first round Kansas State, Tennessee, would have Love been it. a lot of fun, Tulane and TCU, USC, Alabama in the first round would have been super fun. Uh, Penn State, Ohio State, absolutely would love watching that. And then, you know, you get Georgia, Utah, Clemson, and Michigan as the big four winners get buys, right? Yeah. Like, that would be so fun to yeah, watch. I don't I know how that. anybody is opposed to this. I would love that. If you lo- Yeah, if you like college football, how could you say no to that? Like, so those games sound like so much fun. And then the games that it sets up in the next round sound great, too. Like, I yeah, no, I... Being opposed to that is just stupid, and we should... Yeah, 12 is going to be great. I think 16 would be fun. I don't know that we should really go beyond that. Go go pack. We'll be right there. Unfortunately, Stetson Bennett will not be around for no. another year. Probably selling Kios. <laughs> he's going to have his own dealership. Do you think he's going to make it into the NFL? Will some team pick him up? He's going to get a shot. I think some team will put him on the I, roster. I think... So here's the thing, I, I, and I was um, listening to some people talk about this uh, on a podcast, but the he you, like having seen him with the media and things like that, he's going to knock out interviews with teams. Like he's going to be compelling as a prospect, like intellectually, personality wise. He's won two championships. He's got that constant chip on his shoulder. People like that, like NFL front offices, fall in love with that kind of thing. They're gonna look at him and see like Tom Brady type personality, you know. And I, I think he has that. He is—I hate this phrase, but it, he's like the perfect person for this. He's sneaky athletic. Like somehow throughout his career, every defensive coordinator has managed to forget that like Stetson Bennett can run, and and they seem to lose track of him all the time. That's dangerous. Now NFL teams won't do that, but right. still, it's valuable, right? He can move around in the pocket. Does he have the arm strength, right? Does he have that ability to like get that ball outside the numbers? Those typical NFL throws. I don't. I don't know. But I think somebody. I think. I think there is a backup type career out there for him if he wants it. That being said, like he doesn't really need to. I don't know. Like the dude could just live in Athens and <laughs> just like, have people pay for all of his food. Yeah, and, and sign autographs, people. open up a car dealership or something. And live the rest of his life, like, super easily. Or go into coaching. I, like, I don't know. You know, I mean, like, the, the biggest knock on him, well, one of the biggest knocks on him as a pro prospect is that he's old. Mm-hmm. Right? He's like 25, 26. Yeah, I saw a tweet that said that Brock Purdy is a young version of Stetson <laughs> which made me, Which made me laugh. That's a good example, right? Like, Brock Purdy, you never would have thought would have come in and been as great as he has been for the 49ers but he had the same kind of track record of can he make the throws he obviously high leadership quality but his intelligence has really been something that's helped him out significantly where he can just step in and has led the 49ers through the playoffs now right so and that's that's the whole like coming out of San Francisco all the reports are has everything to do with his smarts and his personality and just the fact that he like will not lose, and that's Stetson Bennett. So does he have enough of the physical tools to to, to get by? Um, I mean, I don't know. Maybe the guy ends up being a starter in the NFL and continues to – this is where he can, like – it'll be real when he says, I'm proving people wrong, because people are doubting him as an NFL prospect. I just – you know, like, I, he doesn't have to do – like, 
some team is going to draft him. I don't even think he goes undrafted. Right. He's going to get drafted in like the fifth or sixth round, I think. Which is, I, would I want my, would I want the Panthers to do that? Probably not. If he went undrafted, I think the Falcons should sign him. <laughs> keep him, keep him in Atlanta. Yeah. If he went undrafted, and the Panthers were like considering bringing him in a training camp, I'd be all for that. Like he's a good training camp body, and who knows? Like maybe he does surprise you, but. No, if a team's looking to pick him above the fifth or sixth round, like that's that's a bit too much for me. I've kind of, I'm, I'm obviously not a, a talent evaluator, but I've kind of gone the other way on this. So like for so long, I feel like NFL scouts, GMs were so regimented in what they were looking for. They wanted a winner mm-hmm. who could lead and do those things and didn't care at all. They wanted somebody with a big hand, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. At, and you know who's tall and had a cool haircut. Right. And then, you know, for then it kind of went the other way where they saw so many players, you know, Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. or Pat Mahomes or whatever, that we just look at how they have all, the, all these other intangibles. Yeah. Their athleticism is and something they're, important. They're toolsy. Toolsy, I right? Like that word. But then I also think now you're running into some situations where there are players who make terrible decisions. So, like, Zach Wilson comes to mind for sure. the Jets, right? Like, he, his knock was he makes really bad decisions. Great arm, can throw the ball wherever you want, but doesn't know how to read defenses. And this and is makes like the Anthony decisions. Richardson this year. Right, yeah. and he's the perfect example of that, right? So there is a part of me now that's kind of going the other way, which is like, yeah, it's great if you have physical tools, but if you're not going to make good decisions, what about the NFL, you know, you're just going to show up and suddenly you're sure. a good decision maker? Like that's, I don't know. Can I counterpoint that? Okay. Josh Allen. But he... he had the skills at Wyoming, though, right? Like, yeah, you but could like, see that he th- but made all the, the ball over a lot. So, like, I, I'm saying, like, I, because I, I, the only reason I bring that up is because I just recently saw a comp between Josh Allen and Anthony Richardson. Mm. And Anthony Richardson's numbers are actually more favorable. Like, he actually turns the ball over less. And, like, you are already prepping your Carolina Panthers. You're, you're already doing the mental gymnastics for when they draft him. I, I, sort of. But, like, I mean, it's the same thing that people are doing for Will Levis, right? Like, right. he's got the tools. And, and that that's the danger, right, when there is somebody like a Josh Allen in the NFL who is a freak. Like, this guy is the exception to the rule, not a new rule. So, and Mahomes was similar. Like, Mahomes turned the ball over a lot at Texas Tech. He was not a can't-miss, like, prospect right and so now like when that happens now you have like nfl front offices convince themselves oh there's more of those so stetson bennett falls in this category of brock purdy made it through tom brady is the old example right like there are these guys that that are slept on that everybody just you think you you don't see them coming and then so now they're gonna think they can find the next one and i mean if it's gonna be somebody why not stetson bennett uh, to me, I would almost consider bringing him in and just saying, like, this guy's going to help our football team somehow. I don't know. Like, is he quick enough to be a slot receiver? Does he play special teams? He probably puts together a good PowerPoint presentation <laughs> on the other team, right? Perfect. He, I mean, like, he could have the Charlie Whitehurst career, right? Oh, gosh. Or the, the um, Chase Daniel. Chase Daniels. Man, like, that just guy go has be made a ba- so much just money. Just go be a backup and make $50, $60 million over your career just backing up. Josh Allen or backing up Mahomes, like you're never gonna have to get on the field. That was the tr- the the Charlie Whitehurst greatness is like he was backing up Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers was not gonna miss time and like was one of the best quarterbacks in the league at the time. So 
he never was going to have to play. Like, what a great job. Yeah, Gary Kubiak was really the first one to do that. And he had several opportunities backing up John Elway to get signed by another team. And he was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm yeah, going to um, stay here in Denver. Jim Sor- Sorge, 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 yeah, who backed up Peyton Manning. Billy Volek backed up Steve McNair in Tennessee. Like, those guys, that's the life. So... There's a part of me that's like, yes, yeah, Stetson Bennett, you go do that. But also, if he wants to open up a car dealership and just be the man in Athens for the rest of his life, that's More what he wanted to be you. growing up, right? Like, that was the whole story on him. He just wanted to be the Georgia quarterback and win a championship. Well, he went and did it and won two. So, he could just be that for the rest of his life. Well, congrats, Stetson Bennett. Congrats to Georgia. I, I love college football, but it does lend itself at the end of the year to feeling a little bit disappointed because it is just the same two or three teams. And that's not going to change with any kind of landscape shift. Until next year when NC State breaks That's through. true. NC State uh, waiting for that NC just State Virginia college football playoff championship game. Mm. I think we might have to wait a few more years for that. Brennan, Brennan Armstrong. Yeah, so Brennan Armstrong now officially on NC State. How are you feeling about that? I don't know. I, re- I really don't. I I feel more conflicted about this than Robert and I. Like, I because of the implications long term, I just hate risking. I, I like I've said on this pod before. I'm a big MJ Morris fan, and I think I I really do think he is going to be a major player. So you're risking losing that for, for what? Like now, so you have one year of Brennan Armstrong and maybe he's great. Like, I don't know. Like maybe he plays like he did with, with an eye two years ago and puts up ridiculous numbers and is on every like Heisman dark horse list and all this stuff. But like, are we actually going to be good enough for that to matter? Like our defense is losing some talent. I, I just don't know. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I'm excited because I think, he has more talent. He and I have more talent to work with than they had at Virginia. Like that seems clear I, to clearly me. Clearly true. I just I, I don't know which one you're gonna get. I hate that like every article about the transfer portal was Brennan Armstrong, you gotta go get this guy. Like he put up these numbers two years ago and we're just ignoring what he did this year, which right. was like objectively horrendous. But he still has the tendencies to throw interceptions, make bad reads tuck the ball and run and kind of give up on the play beforehand. And I mean, whatever I say about him now is going to sound like sour grapes. Like I really, no, do, I, I wish him the best, like for the season that he had great. I'm, I'm thrilled that he's going to get this opportunity. I, I like him personally, but I also think just reuniting after how bad things were last year. Yeah. Like he had most of the same skill positions on the field. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were drops. There were a lot of drops from the wide receivers, sure. but he was also just objectively he not good, good. Yeah. right? So Which how much of that, like, yes, an offensive coordinator matters a lot, but if you're just making bad throws, how much of that is really, like, a, suddenly everything will click back into place? I don't know. Well, I'm skeptical and, of it. And I think it's tough for an offensive coordinator to come in and you basically, you've brought in your guy, and what does that look like for the rest of the offensive team? Like, there, what is that, how does that... There's a locker room to manage, too. So now you've brought in your guy. What if he comes in and he isn't playing well over the first few weeks? And MJ Morris looks good in practice. Or Ben Fenley looks good in practice. <laughs> Whatever happens, right? And he's like hesitant to pull that and make a switch because it's his guy. And he brought him in. And 
there's rumors that there's a pretty significant NIL deal that he got mm-hmm. to like come in. So the you you got to be careful of how you manage that. I feel like and and I so I mean he's got to come in and be really good from the start, and that's a lot of pressure. And I don't know how he deals with that. I'm not I'm not familiar with him and like his composure and you know I I don't know the guy. I, I can't get in his head, but. It is a lot of pressure to deal with, and it is a team that now the expectation is that you're competing. Um, you're competing in that league, and I just can he can he carry that? I, I don't. I think the modal like the modal answer is that NC State's going to be like an eight and fourteen. Yeah, which they which is were, fine. They were in that range before and will be after. Mm-hmm. I don't think he shows up and makes them eleven and one. Right, they're probably going to be really good. He's probably going to have some really good games, but they're probably also going to lose four games, like mm-hmm. they often do. Yeah, yeah. Go to go back to the Duke's Mayo Bowl, and there's nothing wrong with being a perennial eight and four team. Like yeah. sign that, me up right now. We have to, and, and that's the NC State fan base thing. Like we have to understand that and understand that there are going to be years like going into last year. Everybody, if everybody stayed healthy and everything, like last year felt like a good chance to go above that. Um, now we had some injuries and some things went wrong and we didn't, but, but I think if you just, if you, you know, 10 years ago said to any NC state fan, well, most NC state fans that like, Hey, Dave Doran's going to come in here in a few years. He's going to build a program that is consistently eight and four or nine and three, whatever. And then every now and then you're going to have a year where you could, you, there's a chance that you could get 10, 11 wins. Maybe we haven't done it yet, but like. The opportunities could be there. I'd take it. Like so, so, yeah. If Brandon Armstrong can help keep that going, then great. Just bring him in. The ginger gunslinger. I don't know. We need a good. I think that they him. call him the Thorderback. The Thorderback because he's kind of Thor takes takes off. I'd rather not. Well, that's your that's that's y'all's problem now. Yeah, you have to come up with a, a different name. How about we just go with Brandon Armstrong? Yeah, Back up to MJ Morris. He gets to, assuming he is still playing, he will get to play at Scott Stadium next year with NC State. So That's right. I'll be there. I'm not looking forward to UVA's. I was kind of looking forward to UVA's schedule for 2023, but if you look at it now, the opening game against Tennessee mm-hmm. in Nashville suddenly looks a lot <laughs> less fun. Yeah. Uh, James Madison way. looks not fun. At Maryland <laughs> looks not fun. God. Virginia Tech's there. Uh, you got to play at UNC, at Miami. You got NC State coming into town and at Boston College. That is that's rough. That's a rough schedule. A little murderer's row. Yeah, that's uh, going to learn a lot about that team. <laughs> uh, that's that's what I like to say when it looks like it's going to be bad. Just going to learn a lot about those those players and that coaching staff and <laughs> how things are going to look. Yeah, Tennessee. I would have said like eh, maybe, but. The way Joe Milton looked in their play in their um, bowl game, that offense I don't think is going to miss a beat, and uh, you guys might be in trouble there. I still want to go. I'm still yeah. planning on going to the game, yeah. but I kind of thought like, oh, this is a really fun, exciting opening season game. That yeah, we'll probably lose, but maybe we can make it interesting. Now I'm like, ooh, wonder if we could swap that. Did we get a? Did we save did a we gift trade that for Tennessee Tech? <laughs> <laughs> UT Martin or something. <laughs> Yeah, you know, my last uh, college football thing I have here, you know who I feel bad for? I can't even say it with a straight face. Uh, I was going to say Nick Saban. Poor guy. I kind of think I kind of think he's done. I think I think Bama's like 
Did you see in the lead up to the broadcast, they had David Pollock there yeah. and saying how Georgia had taken over college football, sitting right next to Nick Saban, and Saban just kind of looked at him and thought a fight might break out on the set. And it's possible he might have he might have screwed that up and activated a, a thing that Nick Saban has where now <laughs> now he can like really say, Hey, everybody thinks No one it. believes in us. Right. And it can almost there's some truth to it there. I just like, you know, who's playing quarterback for that team? Because I wasn't in, I, was, I wasn't impressed with um Milrow, Jalen, is that his name? Yeah, Jalen Milrow was the guy who played a little bit, and he was fine, but, like, I just don't. They still got portal time. You get somebody in the portal. Who's out there still? Uh, Well, I mean, Drake May, you know, bring him back to Alabama. <laughs> Listen, if they, go, if they go get Drake May, then all bets are off. Well, I mean, Alabama also, though, has a history of backups coming in and not looking that great and then are fine. True. Right? Like Mac Jones True. came in in the Auburn game and threw a couple of picks when no, he was right. the backup and then was totally fine, had a great career at Alabama. So Yeah, yeah. I just, I'm a little skeptical moving forward and I think that, um, I think Georgia's just kind of taking that spot and, and Nick Saban, I think if they miss the playoff next year, I think he might. He might retire. I don't think they're going to miss the playoff next year. I think they have enough young players. This was kind of their young take a step back year team, and they were still like just outside the playoff. I felt like we were kind of saying that about them last year, even though they were in it. It was like remember everybody was like this was the down year for Alabama, and mm-hmm. they're still right there. And I just feel like at a certain point, like they're losing, they're losing a lot. They're they're young, but they're still losing a decent amount from that defense. Like, Will Anderson is gone. Best player in college football. I don't disagree that Georgia is the new juggernaut. But you just don't think Alabama's going to... I just think Alabama's going to be right there. It'll be the two of them at we'll the see. end of the day. We'll see. I, I do think Clemson will take is going to take a step back, right? Oh, like, I, I think, think Clemson, they already have. Right? And, they're, and, not, they're not going to be able to contend at that level in the ACC mm-mm. anymore. Mm-mm. Like, they're, they're going to win the ACC a bunch, but they're, like, they're not going to be able to contend nationally against the Georgias and Alabamas. Right. They won't be as uh, as dominant. Um, like we've already seen that kind of go away a little bit um, in these last two years. Now maybe they they feel like they found their quarterback in Klubnik. Jake Klubnik, but I wasn't impressed with him in the Orange Bowl. So he did struggle a little bit, you know. But so did their field goal kicker. So facts. So you know, and I don't know. We'll see. I mean, God will help them win. So. <laughs> Name, image, and likeness. That's right. Should we move on to college basketball since it's still actively going on? Let's. So, kind of a wild weekend. We're recording this on Monday, January 16th. And we just came off of a very crazy weekend of college basketball where 11 ranked teams all lost on Saturday, which ties the most ever losing. Not for nothing, but uh, Virginia was the lone top 25 team to win on the road no big deal it's fine uh good for them but it does kind of bring up questions about who is for real Mm -hmm. in this college basketball season because there's some teams that we had talked about previously like UConn where they've now dropped several in a row Mm -hmm. so like what do you make of this is it just a blip in the radar for some of these teams or I think it's an illustration of a pattern that I think is true both nationally and in the ACC, which is there's a whole lot of good out there. I'm not sure there's any great teams, right? 
So even the the front runners again, we could do this nationally or in the conference. So in the conference, Clemson seven and zero in the conference for the first time I think ever. First time in a while they've won seven games in a row at any point in their schedule. But are, are they really great? Right. So Houston's number one in the country right now. Are they really great? I think so. I I think they're really good. But again, like they so okay so they came in. I mean, you you want to think that they're great because of what happened when they played Virginia. That's right. That's exactly right. Right. And but, they were my preseason Final Four pick. Sure. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. But, but I mean, they, they don't look unbeatable, right? There's no. no there's no team out there. So, like, Kansas almost lost to Iowa State. And now, Iowa State's good. But it was at home, right? It's not like you had to go into, like, going to Iowa State is always a problem for people. But this was at home. So, I, I just think there's a lot of teams that, that look really good but, but are not head and shoulders above the rest. There's nobody that sticks out. So you're going to have games like this or, or, or days like this where a lot of ranked teams are falling just because nobody is is really – I don't see a complete team anywhere in the country. I still think Purdue may be the closest thing to a complete team. And even they have they have holes, clearly. They've lost. You know, I, I think Tennessee may be one of the more complete teams. But then they lost to Kentucky. So, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of any of it. If you ask me to pick a national champion right now, I I guess Houston still has to be the pick, but like I wouldn't feel good about it. Yeah, there's um, there are a number of teams here that are all seeming like interchangeable, mm-hmm. right? Like Alabama on any given day seems like they could run up and down on the floor. Yeah, but also, you know, do they have enough defense and depth on their team to win? Houston, great defensively. And their offense has played really, really well, but they seem to be potentially vulnerable to teams that could actually shoot the ball outside, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, Kansas is right there, close close game against Iowa State. Texas playing really, really well, but just lost their coach. So how does that impact them? Gonzaga has been playing fairly well, but, you know, needed a late shot to win against BYU, yeah. right? So, yeah, I agree that there aren't any teams that are head and shoulders above anybody else there's just a lot of like almost 20 teams you could make an argument for and say like yeah if the things fall into place for them maybe they sneak into the final four yeah i mean it's shaping up to like looking ahead it seems like we're gonna have a really wild fun tournament this year because there are so many teams that you're gonna look at that bracket i mean barring major changes or teams really putting together or falling apart in these last few months, like it seems like the kind of season where you're going to look at that bracket and be like, oh, I could see this or this or this. Or it's going to be very difficult, which is fun. I think it's fun. It's it's uh, there's teams that are better than expected. You know, teams that are not as good as expected. I mean, look at Carolina. We love this, right? Like, oh yeah, what happened to Carolina this past week? Yeah. So I mean, again, this is a team that goes into the season ranked number one, and it seems uh, so clear. That they are. I mean, we talked about it, and I was like, yeah, "This team's good." I, I, I thought it was a championship team, and um, you know, they had that stretch where they lost four in a row, and, and then they go and lose to Pitt a couple weeks ago, and lose to Virginia, and now they. I mean, they've got like they have Boston College at home, which they should be fine, and State comes out on Saturday. <laughs> And, you know, the way we're playing right now, like, that's a team I would put in as better than expected. I thought they were rated too highly at, like, 10th in the ACC of the preseason. But we're on a really great stretch right now. 
and it feels like anybody in the ACC pretty much could beat anyone at any time, maybe except for Clemson. Like they're like it feels like Louisville can't beat anybody, and right now nobody can beat Clemson. So. Like we all predicted. I mean, the Louisville part we did. I, for one, welcome our Brad Brownell overlords. I don't, man. This sucks. They're so boring. Like, you know, what? one thing that's funny, I found this stat. Brad Brownell, who has been on the hot seat seemingly for 10 years. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know how long At least been the, the lukewarm seat. Yeah. His seat is, you know, like it's, his it's, a heated, it's a heated seat yeah, yeah, yeah. in your car, right? Yeah. So he's... A, he, he hasn't had a below 500 record in the ACC since 2013. He's had above 500 record every year for the last nine years. But has done nothing with it. Okay, but like also... It's Clemson. It's Clemson basketball. Yeah, I agree. It's a school that doesn't care at all. Which is why he hasn't been fired. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I just I, feel like, like he should get more credit for being a consistently good, not elite coach. He's a I, good coach. I think... He's gotten the proper amount of credit by holding on to a Division One coaching job in the ACC for as long as he has. I think he's fine. Like it's not like I. I would say he deserves more credit if like they had ever made a significant run in the ACC tournament. Or, Maybe this is the year they're gonna. Right now they're the one seed. Yeah, they're the one seed, right? So that's that's great. But I just I'll believe it when I see it, man. Their best player is Hunter Tyson. He's a good shooter. He's okay. All right. He's Hunter, a good Hunter Tyson is like no. I refuse to believe this Clemson team is good. Um, I mean they beat State by fourteen. Like it was, it wasn't particularly close. I will say that Clemson, despite having some good wins since playing in the ACC, their losses are to Loyola, Chicago on a neutral site by 18 points. Mm-hmm. And Loyola, Chicago is not good. No. Iowa's loss by three. That's that's a decent loss. Iowa's pretty decent. South Carolina away, awful. That's an yeah. awful loss. South Carolina's terrible. It was, uh, and they lost on like a buzzer beater in that game. Right. But still. Yeah, it's, it's I, I don't know. This team is not, this team's not good. One thing I, moving away from Clemson for a second, one thing I want to brush back against some of UVA fans' posts that I've seen after after UVA lost to Pitt and then beat UNC. I saw a lot of people complaining that UVA didn't dominate against North Carolina with Baycott out and Nance out, right? Mm. I think people should shut up. <laughs> like, okay, yes. <laughs> It would be great if every time our team suited up, they won by 50 points. Sure. That's just not that's right. not how college it's basketball not, works. Especially against teams like Carolina. Right. Like, it's Carolina. They're still really, really good. Yeah. Right? Like, this is, there was a reason they were ranked one overall. Just, like, be happy that Carolina hasn't won in Charlottesville in eight years. Mm-hmm. And shut up. And be happy that they won the game. Like, that they yeah. played well enough to win. Like, I... You know... UVA has losses too on their schedule when Reese Beekman hurt his hamstring. Yeah, yeah. People get hurt. It's yeah. a basketball thing where people get hurt and can't play or somebody gets sick. Like, and it's not like Jalen Washington, the backup for Carolina, who came in when Baker right. got hurt. It's not like he's a scrub. No, like he came out and immediately scored a whole bunch of points. That dude can play and right? and should be playing more. Just they have a, you know, they're not good at using their bench, but. 
this is what I'm saying, man. You win one little championship, and you guys think that you ought to be blowing everybody out now, and that you, like... I don't even mind... Okay, it's fine. You should be, expect to win. That's you great. You should expect to win. Great. The, the, what I... What I have a problem with is people are like, ugh, Tony, Tony's slow to make changes and we should be beating this team by 20 and we're not going to be happy beating one of our top rivals at home because we didn't beat them by... Shut up. Like, you won the game. Yeah. Tony Bennett is a better coach than you are. Like, than most, he's a better coach than most people in the right, world. Right. So, like, okay... Like I'm sorry that they didn't win by enough. It wasn't pretty enough for you. Like be thrilled that we won. But a seven point win in the Virginia style of basketball, where there are fewer possessions, that like that that is a solid win. That is a win that you are in control of. Right. And I didn't see the whole game, but like came back and made a really strong run in the yeah. second half. And and part of what they've done too is like for the people who think that Tony is too slow. To, to like make changes, he's clearly made significant changes going small, right? Yeah. They've gone to this four. There's four guard lineup, right? And you know, Caden Shedrick and uh, Poppy have not gotten as much playing time as a result, and it's worked in the last couple of games. I don't know if it's going to work the whole season, right? Like I think there are some teams on here where we're actually going to need significant contributions from bigs, but like he totally changed his rotation. So no. Don't I'm not gonna listen to that. Like if if you're if you're on the Saber forums posting about how Tony doesn't make uh, in-game adjustments and we're not winning by enough points, like I'm sorry. But those are the keep keep listening to the podcast though. Sure, those are the fans, and like I'm sorry if this like I don't want to alienate anybody, but like I feel like those are the fans you just have to ignore because they don't. But they're they're they are the ones who pop up on my timeline, sure. my Twitter timeline all the time. Like, what are we doing? Sure, we well, should be winning by twenty. It's always the people who are most vocal, right? Like, you, you always question like, when did those when did those guys show up? When did they start being fans? You know, it probably was in these last few years, or or you know what I, I might might have been, you know, years ago. Uh, um, but there's a lot of fair weather stuff that you see, especially when you have won a championship in recent history. And then like I I said it semi jokingly, but there's always then going to be a segment of the fan base that just expects you to now be Georgia football, right? To be right. just dominant dynasty. And it's like, that's just not, I don't think it's ever going to be Virginia. And that's not a knock on Virginia. It's just with its status, like with what Virginia is as a school and program, right? You're not going to be recruiting five stars all the time. So it's going to be hard to develop that kind of thing. And you still beat a really good Carolina team. I agree with you. I hate those when when people, when fans can't just appreciate what is a really good win, defending your home court, finding in that game, you know, ways to win that that might differ from what the original plan was. You know, I I from the what I saw in that game, I think it was in the first half. You had texted me, complaining about. Maybe not specifically about Ben Vanderplas, but about something. And in the second half, man, he Carol- stepped up. Carolina got Vanderplast, and I loved it. <laughs> uh, He's had a good one and a half game streak that UVA has I like really that guy. needed. And he enables you to play kind of small because he can play that small ball big role, sort of. He's a good rebounder who can shoot and handle the ball some. And I, th- I think he complements Kihei really well. Yeah, no, I, I love this UVA team, honestly. The more I watch them and the young guys 
Dunn and the shooter McNeely. McNeely, yeah. I love that. He hits that. That kid hit some big, big boy shots against Carolina. Just like contested, must make threes. To win he the reminds game. me a lot of Scott Wood mm. uh, for NC State a few years back. He's a little smaller than Scott Wood was, but just in the sense that like when he lets go of the ball, you just think it's going in. You know, when when he takes a three, it seems like an outlier when he misses. Right? I don't know what his percentage is. Uh, I would imagine it's, it's got to be in the 40s, but it just feels like when he gets a shot off, especially when it's a shot when they draw up something for him and run him off of something to get a shot, it's just, yep, that's going in. And you take it for granted sometimes, but uh, that's such a huge tool to have. I think we should also talk briefly about Duke because I don't, I still, they're the team in the ACC that I have the least read i don't have a read on them mm-hmm. yet right they still have so many talented players started the year off with significant injury concerns but now they've lost to wake nc state they got smashed by yeah. nc state yeah, they did. uh and now a clemson loss which i thought for sure duke would come in and win that game right that just seemed like the kind of game that duke always wins mm-hmm. they're playing really slow like they have the 253rd uh, adjusted tempo in the That's country. That's the part that doesn't make sense. That's though, yeah. weird, right? Yeah. Like then now, and they are scoring a significant amount of their points off offensive rebounds. So they have almost like a Carolina style to them, where they're you know getting up shots, crashing the boards really hard, and putting it back up. But like I don't, I don't know what to make of them. Like, are they an actual Final Four contender? Or are they just kind of middle of the pack in the ACC? I feel like right. it could be either. So I maintain what I said about them preseason. Which is, it's going to take them time to put it together. Um, you've got a first-year head coach uh, taking over for a legend. You've got a roster full of newcomers, people who were injured at the beginning of the season as well. And it, it always felt to me like it was going to take time. That being said, I kind of thought by now it would start to look more like the the product that we would see towards the end. And now feels like the worst part for them. Like they're slumping in a pretty big way. And I don't know what to make of that either. I I mean, I wonder if it's kind of the slump before an uptick. Like, if they kind of figure something out, can can they figure out what change? Like you said, like Tony kind of made some some tweaks to rotations and stuff for Virginia. Uh, Can John Shire figure out what this team needs to do differently? Because clearly something needs to be different. I think I underestimated how much he was going to stray from the coach K style Mm -hmm. uh, you know I I underestimate how much things would change under him I think it's a mistake for him I think like I I almost feel like he's trying too hard to make this team his own team and I just like it's not built like that it's just run it back it's built to it's built to be a fast-paced up-tempo get shots up kind of team not like, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like they should be as inside out as they are. You have a veteran point guard in Jeremy Roach. Um, Tyrese Proctor and, and Derek Whitehead are very good, like, perimeter players. Like, I, I just, I don't know, man. It doesn't, it feels like a, I haven't seen much chemistry from them. Like, mm-hmm. there's obviously a lot of talent. But that, that State game where they blew them out, it just looked like State was a team and Duke was a pickup team put together of a bunch of talented guys who didn't know how to play together. And, we and that said, still matters. We said that at the beginning of the year when they played Kansas, mm-hmm. right? Like, they they didn't have 
and you wouldn't expect them to that early on in the season, but they they didn't have any kind of defensive coherence to right. them. Right. So, like, I almost feel better about Virginia Tech, yeah. despite the fact that they've lost five straight. All of them have been really close. Mm-hmm. Right. They easily could have won four out of those five. The yeah, Syracuse we, we loss was the last them, yeah. one. Right. So, like, I feel like they. I have a better sense of who they are as a team. And that they're actually decent and probably will make the tournament ultimately than Duke. Like I, I just don't know. I don't know what to make of Duke. But I think Duke. So like Duke will benefit, I think, from the fact that there are no real dominant teams on the national scene. They've got the name recognition, so the committee's always you know like they're going to get more benefit of the doubt than some other schools. And they have talent on their roster. I mean, you look at some of these teams that we've talked about, like at the top, and on a given night. Duke could be just as good as some of those, you know? So I think it's it's difficult for me to rule them out. I mean, like, looking ahead, right? So they got Miami on Saturday. That's obviously Big a game. tough game. Uh, Miami's very good. Um, then they got Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, and then home game against Wake, where they're going to be looking for revenge. Wake seems to be pretty good, but, like, I don't know. I still don't totally buy it. So they have a chance to kind of get right before they play Carolina on February 4th. And that is going to be, that's a huge Duke Carolina game. In the past, we've had some huge Duke Carolina games where they're both like ranked in the top five and all this. This is huge because I think both teams are going to be they tra- need it. trying to find their way. And, and it feels like the winner of that game has that path where it's like, okay, we've, we've, we can kind of right the ship here. So that game feels massive to me looming ahead in a couple of weeks. So who would you say is your ACC player of the year right now? Is it still Baycott? I mean, his numbers are crazy. Like he's averaging a double double. Yeah, I think it is Baycott. And like, how does the missed miss time hurt him? Like, um, but I mean, he was back, you know, he, he came back for their game against Louisville. So, but he also missed a game or two earlier in yeah, the season. I think I still think it's him. Okay. Um, Isaiah Wong should be in the conversation. He's played really, really well. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it has to be Baycott. Like Carolina's, I mean, the the one thing that is true about Carolina watching the UVA game is that they're so much less of a threat on offensive rebounds mm-hmm. with him not on the floor. Yeah. Like he is so good at rebounding and such a physical force down low that you have to, like you really have to collapse in, which opens up opportunities for their shooters yeah so when that wasn't there uva could play much more you know aggressively out on the ball knowing that they didn't have that sitting under the basket waiting to go up and get it so yeah i think i think he's probably it um isaiah wong played well i mean just hunter tyson i mean yeah you could make a best player on the best team right now he i mean he's averaging 15.7 and 9.8 so like his numbers aren't that far behind Baycott, and and they're winning more, right? So I feel like you kind of get. So that's the thing. It's always like I always look at best player on the best team, conference leading scorer, who right now is Traquavion Smith. If State continues on a positive run, you know, I mean, he's not just scoring too; he's averaging like five assists a game. So, how about a shout out to Casey Morsell for being the ACC leader in three point percentage? Yeah, man, that's wild. This is, the, I think. Last year, he was kind of looking for what his role was on that team. And the last year was a bad NC State team that had some weird chemistry things. And I think Casey Morsell now is like, all right, this is my role. I'm the knockdown guy. Like, Jarkel, uh, Jarkel Joyner and Jaquavion Smith are going to go create. 
I'm here to catch, shoot, create every now and then, and be a pretty lockdown perimeter defender. Um, I think Casey Morsell has really found who he is as a college player, which is like you love to see it for any transfer, right? Like if they're going to transfer because they don't feel like they're in a good situation for themselves, you know, you want it to work out just objectively for these kids. Yeah, I would say that year, right? So you've got because he and Justin McCoy transferred out at the same time, yeah. Yep. So clearly, one has worked out much better than the other. I uh, yeah, still McCoy couldn't, you, couldn't really get on the floor that much, even in yeah. That's rough. I, it seems weird to me. Like I just I feel like he's better than that, but I, I don't know. I am happy for Casey Morsell that he is getting the opportunity. That was one of those that. It very clearly was going to work out for him, just based on how Kevin Keats plays. Yeah, like play up and down, shoot a lot. It was a smart defense. transfer. He it was found a smart a spot transfer that, that made sense. And I don't, I anybody who does that, like, great, like more power to some, finding the better fit. Justin McCoy, all right, man, you get to say you played at Carolina, cool. Like, sort of. I mean, he's only played in eight games this this season. Well, you guys so played he, in. We got to where he has more Jordan apparel than, than half of their games. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, that didn't feel like a smart... I mean, I guess hindsight's twenty twenty, but it doesn't feel like a smart transfer for him. Like, he didn't put himself in a... what feels like a better position for him. But, you know, whatever. I guess, like, you know, he's a little closer to home, and he... I hope he's happy. That, that, like, genuinely. I, I don't know. I just... I always question those when, when a guy transfers somewhere and it doesn't work out, and you're like, did you, maybe this just wasn't a good call for you. Yeah, like uh, Abdur Rahim, you know, everybody everybody uh, thought he was a huge loss for Tony Bennett. He's now, you know, he's averaging 6.3 points a game, and 16 I, minutes. I, count me in there. Like, I thought that was going to hurt a lot. I thought, hey, you guys finally got a guy who's, who, like, national analysts looked at as a recruit and were like, this guy's going to be really good. He's going to be a bucket getter. And turns out uh, he's not been that so far and maybe he finds something but yeah he's 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 definitely been disappointing i think as a as a prospect but like looking at the acc looking nationally these these teams that it's a lot of it has come down to to shooting you mentioned casey marcel like stuff like that has just been massive so virginia's winning when mcneely's hitting when vanderplas is hitting like when you're able to create that spacing, and that like that's I think some of the problem for Duke and Carolina, they struggle to create spacing. And then you know you look nationally, Houston shoots the ball well, um, Kansas shoots the ball well, but a lot of it is relying on Grady Dick. Yeah, I, I think that you know it's it's pretty clear that like that that is the difference maker. So when I look at a team like NC State that's better than expected, or when Virginia is at its best and I think capable of playing with anyone, it's when when shots are going down and you're able to create space. And and I think that even for for Virginia, even Gardner's mid-range game creates some space. Um, it, it often pulls somebody out. And as you're playing smaller, um, that's super valuable and kind of creates space and tempo that I think really will help them be successful uh, in the long term. So we've talked about ACC, we've talked about the country. One thing that I want to do is just get on the record on some of these teams that have maybe had some recent struggles, whether you think that they're actually in trouble okay. or whether they, it's just a blip. And in a month we will not even be thinking about this because they're they're They've righted the ship. Sure. So I have some teams here that I want your perspective on and we're, we're going to go on the record as 
whether you believe in them or you don't actually believe in them. Okay. So the first one that I have here is Arizona. I've only really watched... It's that East Coast bias. That's right. That's Already right. an East Coast bias. But losses at Oregon, they got blown out and lost mm-hmm. against Washington State. So I watched them play Arizona State. Close game. Arizona State really gave them a fight. I watched them play Tennessee earlier in the year, where they looked good, but it was a close win over a good team. I mean, they've got good wins, right? I I don't think that they are a a bad team, like by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think they're a championship contender, though. Yeah, so let's say like with these, you think that you are confident that they're going to make at least a Sweet 16 run. Yes. I, I think Arizona, I think their ceiling is like Elite Eight, but I think they will they will make a Sweet 16 run. I'm going to go on the record of saying no for them because their defense is really bad. Like they're 88th in adjusted efficiency on defense, and they're giving up a ton of points. Like Oregon put up 87 on them, mm-hmm. right? Like I... I don't know. I don't believe in them compared to a lot of the other teams. Sorry. That's right. No, that's, that's okay. I, I just, when I've seen them, and again, it hasn't been that much, it feels like they are capable of putting up some pretty gaudy numbers offensively. Uh, they don't always do it. I really like their, um, the big man, uh, Tubalus or whatever, the Lithuanian mm-hmm. dude. Mm-hmm. I like him a lot. Okay. So you, you like them, I don't. Uh, UConn. Four losses out of their last five games with a win at Creighton, kind of sandwiched in between. I was so high on UConn early, right? So after they went that run and they beat Oregon, Alabama, Iowa State, Florida, like all of that kind of in a row. But then they struggled with Georgetown. Not great. They struggled with Villanova. It's also been a little disappointing, right? But I'm out on UConn. I, out I, on UConn. Okay. I think UConn gets upset in the first round of the tournament. Wow. I could see them getting upset in the second round. I think they'll win their first game. But, yeah, it's it's interesting that they none of their none of their losses recently are horrendous losses, but they clearly, I think, are vulnerable. I right? feel like the St. John's loss is pretty bad. It's not great. It's definitely the worst of their losses. They still have... Like, they're, they're very, very good at forcing defense to shoot contested outside shots. Like, the, the opposing team is only shooting 27% from three. Mm-hmm. So is that because of their great defense? Or is, are they just lucky that teams aren't hitting threes on them and that'll uptick? I think that's the big question for UConn. Yeah. It's tough, right? I mean, I like the team. Like, I like... They've got players that I really like who I think are capable of carrying them to make... Not a a full run, but, you know, a Sweet 16 type run. I just don't know. I mean, they they go to Seton Hall here in a couple days. Like, Seton Hall's good. That's going to be tough. I I think it's very possible they drop that game. And they have Butler. That should be fine. Maybe. (laughs) But they play Xavier, DePaul, Georgetown again. They got to go to Georgetown, man. You never know. Yes, I think we do know. (laughs) We are well aware of how that's going to go. Um, okay, next one is Texas. Now, Texas hasn't had a losing streak like uh, UConn, but they obviously lost their coach. He's yeah. been fired. They lose to Kansas State 116-103 mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago and have played some close games since against TCU and Texas Tech. So I think this is almost more about what do you think their long-term 
places without a coach like Chris Beard at the helm. Sure. I believe in this team. I really do. I think that there's a lot of talent there. Um, I think that you've got one of the best guards in college basketball, Marcus Carr. Uh, That cannot be overlooked. The obviously it is difficult when you look at a team of of college kids who have to deal with the things they've dealt with this year of having a, uh, you know a coach get arrested like it's not even just like a normal situation where a coach gets fired this is like a borderline traumatic experience to go through as a team I really like Rodney Terry, the interim head coach. I think he's done a, a spectacular job uh, of leading that team through all of this. He has head coaching experience at UTEP and Fresno State. So I believe in that leadership. Now, that being said, Texas has a really tough stretch in their schedule coming up. Um, so they got they go to Iowa State this week. They have a stretch where they go to Tennessee. They have Baylor at home. And then they have away games at Kansas State and Kansas all in a row. It's tough. That's going to be really, really hard, and we're going to find out there kind of who this team is. And then they end the season with a four-game stretch of Iowa State, Baylor, TCU, and Kansas. Like, it could be brutal. But for all of those reasons, and the way this team seems to have emotionally rallied kind of in this in this situation with Chris Beard, I believe in this team as a Final Four team, actually. Wow. Because I think they're going to be so battle-tested. Like, there aren't a lot of teams that have that kind of schedule the way it's shaking out towards the end, and they're going to have to endure that and figure it out. Now, it could break them, but I just, with with veteran guard like Marcus Carr leading the way, I think uh, I have a lot of faith that this team is going to be one of the tougher outs in the tournament. My only thing from them is that they're not a good three-point shooting team, right? They shoot like yeah. 33% from three. They actually are one of the top teams in the country in shooting two-point percentage. But, mm-hmm. you know, you run into a hot team that makes shots, and then you're done. So I could for see sure. them losing. And, and, yeah, I think it will be a definitely an important stretch for them coming up here. Um, my next team is Ohio State. Ohio State has seven losses, but all of their losses are, I guess, what you would call good losses, right? Mm-hmm. San Diego State, Duke, Carolina, Purdue, Maryland. Minnesota's maybe the only one. Minnesota's not that great of a team. But close loss there, close loss to Rutgers, close loss to Purdue. They've lost four straight. But their underlying numbers, like fourth in adjusted efficiency on offense, I don't know. They don't turn the ball over that many times. I don't don't know what to make of them. (laughs) These these teams are always tough, right? I feel like we always have a couple of these every season where, like, the results don't look good, but the numbers look good. And so the computer loves them, right? Mm-hmm. Or what the, the proverbial supercomputer that decides who's good at basketball. The eye test here is pretty bad with Ohio State. And I just, I think the numbers are, are great. Love that for you. But at some point it has to translate to wins. And it should translate to wins against teams that you should be beating. Right? So Maryland, Minnesota, arguably Rutgers. I see these as teams that, like, if you're good, you should be beating those teams. I understand losing to Purdue. <laughs> Purdue's very, very good, and you lost by two. I, I just, I don't know, man. Like looking at their schedule, the teams that they've beaten, like they have good losses. They don't really have good wins at all. Like the Texas Tech win is good. I guess the Rutgers win is good. 
They had that stretch where they blew out Maine, Alabama, A&M, and Northwestern. Like, am I supposed to be impressed? Like, I, I don't think this is a good team at all. I, I think, I don't know. They may miss the tournament. Like, I don't know if they'll even be there. I think they'll make the tournament. But, yeah, I, I don't know what to expect from them. Because most of their losses are close losses, too, right? Like, Yeah, but look at the, I mean, if you look at their schedule coming up. Like, yes, they play Nebraska next, and they have Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Wisconsin, Michigan. Like, with, with the results they've been having recently... To me, all five of those games are losses. Like, just probable how I would project them out. And then they still have to play Michigan State. They'll play Iowa again. Purdue again. Illinois again. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't... Lots of, lots of opportunities for uh, resume-building wins. Definitely. Or lots of opportunities to just, you know, build your NIT resume, I guess. My last one, and this one I think is the hardest one, is Creighton. Yeah. Creighton... 18th in Ken Palm. I want to believe. 10 and 8 overall. Had a six game losing streak earlier in the year in late November, early December. Yeah. They've lost twice in the last three games against Connecticut and Xavier. Both were pretty close games. So, like, the computer loves them, but man, they're 10 and 8. I don't know. Yeah. The. I mean that stretch of of consecutive losses is pretty. Rough. I mean that's the thing. Like you said, they're losing the good. They're losing mostly to good teams outside of losing to Nebraska, probably. Right. So the thing is, I feel similarly as I did about Ohio State, but I, I feel. But you just want to believe in this. I do. Team I do. I do. Well, you, just, you just like them better. <laughs> and watching them early in the season, I thought. I thought this team looked good. And that, that's early season eye test stuff, which means little to nothing. But it just feels, yeah, I mean, maybe that is it. Maybe I just want them to be good and don't feel that way about Ohio State. Because looking at it, I guess there's not much reason to have more faith in them. Yeah, but, it, you know, again, they're in a lesser conference. So, you know, it's easier for them to string some wins together in the Big East than it will be for Ohio State in the Big Ten. Like, there's no doubt about that in sure. my mind. So, in terms of being able to make it to the tournament, I think they're definitely there. Do they make a big run? No. I would say Sweet 16 is their ceiling, and I don't know that I have a lot of faith that they will get to that point. I think they end up in like a 10-7 game, probably as the 10 seed, and struggle to get out of that. Okay. I was going to ask you about St. Mary's, but I don't. I, I don't actually care about your opinion on St. Mary's. But the one thing I wanted to, when I was looking these up, the one thing I wanted to flag was that they had a win against Academy of Art. No, no, they didn't. That's yeah, not they real. did. They That's... won 84-64 against the Academy of Art, which is a art academy that's in San Francisco, apparently. Academy never... of Art University. So, yeah, when you look at their schedule, on just on ESPN, like, you know, when you pull up a schedule... You can click on any of the teams that they play and get like you know their page. You can't Academy of Art University is not. You can't click on it. You can't. Don't you think they should have a really fancy landing page? Like I would think that they <laughs> they would have notes for ESPN and be like, hey, uh, yeah, you're, you're, the the color palette we prefer is actually you know this number here. So this is a it's a it's a private for profit university. Wow, I yeah didn't know. It's Division two. Uh, guess, have you looked at their mascot? Do you know no, what the mascot is? No, I don't know what it is. Uh, I, I, it's genuinely unique. I have never... It's Artie, the... Uh... <laughs> no, I'm thinking like their, their nickname, not the oh. actual mascot. 
They are the Urban Knights. Urban Knights. Interesting. That is fancy. Yeah, like not just the Knights. Should we adopt them as our team? Should we do a every week do our Academy of Art basketball update? Check in. I mean, they're D2, so like we can't, it's not like we can hope for them to make the tournament. Right, but well, they have a D2 tournament. Maybe they can make a, That's make, true. Make a run there. Yeah, how are they? Let's see how they're doing. Ooh, team store now open. Uh, we'll check that out later. Uh, <laughs> I'll buy some Urban Knights gear. Uh, let's see. Their their men's basketball team is eleven and six. All right, that's pretty good. Six and four in conference. They've got some some big wins against St. Martin's, uh, Chaminade. Big rivalry game there. They yeah. I mean, this is recently beat University of Hawaii Hilo, Hawaii Pacific, uh, which. Uh, plays in Honolulu, and their their arena is named the Shark Tank, which mm. is awesome. Yeah, lost to St. Mary's. That's that's tough, but you know, I yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in on what is it? The Art Academy? Yeah, the Academy of Art. Academy of Art. I'm sorry, not to be confused with the Art Academy, which I'm sure exists somewhere else. Yeah, this is cool. I I'll, I will adopt them. The team that I was really wanting to adopt this season. They're in their first. Season in Division One basketball is uh, Queens University down in oh. Charlotte. Mm, okay. Yeah. The uh, actually there is a someone I went to college with. Her husband is the head coach, so I have like a. So a you close, got an in. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they are like having a really good first year of Division One basketball. They are thirteen and six, which is pretty impressive when you've like just moved in, and uh, three and three. In conference, they're playing in the oh Atlantic Sun. Oh, the Atlantic Sun, sure. So yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, I do want to kind of pick a team uh, as we get close to the tournament. I think we should pick some like mid major, some Cinderellas that we want to cheer on. Okay. Whether it's I think maybe we should wait for the bracket to come out so that we because because sometimes what impacts that is who they're playing. Right. Yeah. So like when Lehigh played Duke, right, I'm all in. So I want to know. I think that I think that'd be fun to like pick, pick some uh, mid-major teams to support, hoping for that run. But my my D two team, Academy of Art. Okay. Go Urban Knights. I, I'm. This is the thing I love about college basketball in particular is that you get these teams that you've never heard of, places you've never heard of, but like actual human beings go there. Yeah. Like, I mean, even though no one listening to this has ever heard of somebody who's attended that place like yeah i'm looking i'm literally looking at their like notable alums i've heard oh one person raven simone oh right that's so raven it is so raven of her to there's a lot of yeah no i i don't know who any of these people are i'm i maybe i'm not artsy enough so go urban knights go queens royals and go wolfpack (laughs) yeah now that we actually look like a tournament team Kind of wild. Didn't, well, didn't think I was gonna have that to pull for this year. Yeah, you really, you really, you really need to apologize to now the indefinite head coach Kevin Keats. He will be He's there get now a for another contract. Yeah, you got. I mean, you got to sign him. I think you got to sign him to an extension right now, don't you? The way no. that they're playing. No, but I did. It's gonna hurt the recruiting if you don't. I did forget to text this to you. I think maybe this should be a segment like delusional NC State fan post of the day or the Ooh. week. Ooh, I saw a post about. How um, we should go after John Calipari because, you know, there's all these <laughs> rumors swirling about like him in Texas or like, you know, because Kentucky's not as good 
that maybe he's well, he wants out of his lifetime contract. He wants to go somewhere else. And there was some NC State fans. It's a perfect time to swoop in. We're surging, and he may be looking for a new home, and it's a perfect fit. Except I, it's not. I do think that yeah, we could easily have a delusional fan post. Yeah, not from the Saber, have, not from the Saber because the Saber always has very smart posts. You uh, were literally earlier no, but, complaining but, about file all your complaints to Chris at thesaber.com. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think most of them I think would come from Texas, the Tex Ags board, right? Yeah. Like you could just make a whole. We could make a whole show out of that. Yeah, those people, those people have some takes. They sure do, and God bless them for it. They're trying real hard. If you have any amazing takes that are Texas A&M related or not, hopefully not, because I don't want to read that. You can you can email the show at preferredwalkons at yahoo.com. You can also subscribe so that it goes to your podcatcher on your phone and so that you don't have to necessarily stream online, although you're certainly welcome to. Shout out to our listener from Alaska. Whoever that is, I appreciate the listening. Carlos Boozer. Carlos Boozer, probably. Or Trajan Langdon. Trajan Langdon. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Mario Chalmers. There are a lot of good Alaska players out there. You, telling you. This is not a segment I had. Just, Best players from each state. Okay. We got a lot of segments that we got to fit in. So we'll start doing that yeah, next I mean. episode. But yeah, subscribe. Leave us a review. And go UVA. Sure. Wahoo wah. <laughs>